If I tell somebody I'm going to do something, it's all right if I back out. I mean, I didn't sign a paper contract. When I say I swear to God, I don't mean anything bad by it. It's just an expression of speech. God knows my heart. Good morning and welcome to God's Resistance. God's Resistance is local in Wilkesbury and Wyoming Valley. If you need someone to talk to or pray with and are interested in joining a small group to help you live as a disciple of Christ, stay tuned for contact info. My name is Eric Samborski. Thank you for tuning into God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the devil, and the world. You can hear us every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK, 1550 a.m. and 94.7 f.m. If you miss the radio program, then look for God's Resistance podcast on your favorite podcast platform at 10 a.m. every Sunday, where these are uploaded and you will find other content on there as well. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube at God's Resistance. That is G-O-D-S-R-E-S-I-S-T-A-N-C-E. Make sure to like, follow, and turn on notifications for helpful spiritual content. You can contact us at gods.resistance at gmail.com or give us a call at 570-362-7782. Now let's listen in on today's briefing. There are so many promises that are made. We can... Look at advertisement. They tell you, if you buy this product, this is what will happen. We guarantee this product. Um, We find that there's promises made from people that run for offices. There's promises made by our friends and families, by our employers. So many different areas in life, there are promises made. The problem with that is, as a culture, I think we've become numb to the fact that promises are binding And we almost expect them to be unfulfilled. So it's not as big of an issue. If it's a real important issue that perhaps we're talking about or that we're concerned about, we may be a little more upset if promises are unfulfilled, but we're almost so jaded by an unfaithful culture that just says a lot of things with their mouths but doesn't necessarily mean it. So what does God think about this? From a biblical worldview, from a perspective of what the Bible tells us is so, what do we do about all this? What do we do about the marriage vow? What do we do about work contracts? What do we do about swearing into office that we will uphold constitutions, that we will uh, work for the uh, people of our local government, our state government, our federal government? What do we do when we make all these different promises in life? What does God think about that? And that's what we're going to be looking into. We're going to be continuing on the Sermon on the Mount Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 through 37. Um, We are just continuing right on. If you've missed any of these, I started the beginning of the Sermon Amount some time ago. Look for God's Resistance podcast and you can catch up. But here we will jump right in to what Jesus said, Matthew 5, verse 33. Jesus says, again, 
you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. I've said this with every one of Jesus' sayings, and it's worthy of repeating, that he says, it has been said, or again it has been said, the understanding by the ancients, by the commentators of the Old Testament scriptures, they would have been rabbis and their writings, uh, what had been passed down orally. You've been you you've been hearing this ever since you were born. It's been passed down along, and there's assumptions about things. That is what we were taught, but we don't know why we've been taught it. That's a dangerous position to be in. Sometimes people say, well, this is what I believe. But if you ask them why and you drill down, they couldn't really give you a reasonable explanation as to why they believe what they believe, except that that's what they've been told all their lives. So Jesus is saying, you've heard this been said. And he seems to be challenging, why do you believe this? We need to know why we believe what we believe. We've got to work through these things ourselves. It's good to have those people that speak into our lives and perhaps guide our thinkings and give us a foundation. But ultimately, you and I are going to have to be able to stand on what we believe because we have sought it out ourselves. Then we won't be easily shaken off the foundation. But Jesus said, again, you have heard that it was said to those of old. So they put their trust in these men of old. He said, they told you that you shall not swear falsely. Now, is he talking about cuss words? No. What he's talking about here is committing perjury, lying under oath. Now, we can think about those terms very easily in a judicial sense. If we are before a court and they put your hand on the Bible or hold your right hand up and say, I'll tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help me God. If we then, after commit, uh, giving that oath, then tell a lie, we've committed perjury. We have lied under oath. And so he said, you've heard it been said, don't do this. Don't promise with great swelling words and uh, trying to say that you're going to do something that you're not intending to do or that you're not able to perform. We oftentimes use the expression, I swear to God this happened. I say we often. If you're a Christian, you shouldn't be using that expression anymore. But our culture, American culture, it's really nothing for someone to say, I swear to God that happened. I saw it. I swear to God, as if to say, you really need to believe me. Um, but that isn't, it's not what God wants for us as people. Jews, they maintain that you could swear with your mouth, but deny with your heart. In other words, it's something like, I remember watching when I was younger, the uh, movie Willy Wonka with Gene Wilder, and he gives him the secret of the everlasting gobstopper, and they're able to put it in their mouth, and he said, now I'll give this to you if you agree never to tell anyone. One of the characters, they showed a picture behind the back. This character had their finger crossed behind the back and said, I agree, and they were going to give it off to... I can't remember what the man's name was right now, but he posed as somebody who is trying to steal Willy Wonka's candy secrets, and she crosses her fingers behind her back. 
the Jews maintain that you could swear with your mouth, but deny with the heart. And uh, people think nothing of that in our culture at large. He says, you've heard it been said that you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. So shall perform, do what you swore or promised to do. That is what they had taught, but they were more specifically saying to the Lord. I want to just go back into Ecclesiastes chapter five, the first seven verses to give you an understanding of some of the basis of what Jews would have believed. It says, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Do or to draw near, to draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they are doing evil. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God, for God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few, for a dream comes with much business and a fool's voice with many words. When you vow a vow to God, do not delay paying it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Let not your mouth lead you into sin, and do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? For when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity, but God is the one you must fear. So here, it's said that if you're going to vow a vow to God, don't afterwards back up on it and say, well, that was that was wrong. I, I shouldn't have said this or I shouldn't have said that. He said, no, perform to the Lord your vows, your oaths. Do it. God takes no pleasure in fools. He doesn't want somebody to promise this great swelling thing and then back up on it. He said, don't do that. I believe that's where the Jews got most of their force about vows. The problem was their understanding about it was it's only binding if you swear to God himself. If the vow is to God himself, if the vow is to a person, well, then I can back up on that and there's not eternal consequences involved. I'm not displeasing God at this point. So the Jews held all those oaths not to be binding in which the sacred name of God did not directly occur. The problem was they tried to look for loopholes by making up these rules that you can't find in the scripture. So only if you directly promised to the Lord was it binding. Promises kept to man could be disregarded. So Jesus said, that's what you've heard and that's what you've known. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God. And there's a few more verses here, but I want to just start again. This was Jesus's task at large. He had to undo the misunderstandings people had for so long concerning the laws of God because of men that stuck themselves in a place to say, this is what God means. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with having people teach us uh, what the Bible says, but he says uh, in James, it says that those that set themselves up as teachers or any teachers that are in the place of God for men, so to speak, in teaching, they receive the greater condemnation because they're saying that they're teaching you what God says. And depending on what you teach, you can either lead people in the direction of God 
or you can lead them away from a true understanding of God. So we have the greater condemnation if we say we're teachers. So Jesus says, but you heard all this, but I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God. And we'll go on to some other verses. Christ is placing himself once again as the ultimate authority. You have heard this, but I say unto you. That's why the religious elite, the Pharisees, the Sadducees were so angry at Jesus because he took authority out of their hands and says, I say unto you. And they hated that. So he says, do not take an oath at all. So we've got to define an oath here. I, I think we kind of did uh, by way of simple understanding, but it's helpful for us to define it very uh, detailed. So defining an oath, a solemn affirmation or declaration made with an appeal to God for the truth of what is affirmed. So in other words, you're swearing by something, in this case, someone higher than yourself, as if to make your words more weighty or believable. So he says not to take an oath either by heaven. That's the first thing. So they already said, don't, don't take an oath uh, and saying and using God's name directly, because if you do that, it's binding. So in order to get around that, let's swear by something else. Let's swear by heaven. Now, heaven is the highest place of dwelling. Heaven is God's throne, but it's not God. I haven't used his name. Heaven's that holy, lofty, and untouchable place. So that'll give weight to my words. And then I won't be guilty before God because I didn't use God's name. I just use heaven as dwelling place. What a, what a crazy understanding. So I do want to say, though, as far as oaths are concerned, when Jesus says, do not take an oath at all, do not do not swear at all, he does not say that, I mean, this doesn't include like civil things. Before a court, you take an oath to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God. If you're going to be taking some kind of office, whether it's local, state, or federal, oftentimes there's a swearing into the office. If you're in the military, there's a swearing into the military. You promise you're going to do your job and you're going to do it according to the rules. Jesus is not speaking against these things. He's speaking against personal oaths that are made in private conversation. And he's speaking to situations that were actually happening. These Jews... It is said, and you can read it inside of the history books, they were so profane with their oaths. They did them numerously ad nauseum. People, you know, they just said it over and over and over again. It was a way of speaking, but it had no weight. That's what Jesus is attacking here. And they said, he said, don't swear at all. And he said, don't swear by heaven. They, they would have said, well, you can swear by heaven because it's not God's name. But Jesus is saying, don't swear by heaven because it's the very throne of God. Okay, so he's bringing this down to a level where they can understand. Don't swear by heaven because it is the very throne of God. In case you've just tuned in, you are listening to God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the world, and the devil. You can hear us every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK, 1550 a.m. and 94.7 FM. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at God's Resistance, that is G-O-D-S-R-E-S-I-S 
T-A-N-C-E. You can also email us at gods.resistance at gmail.com or call us at 570-362-7782. So we just were looking in verse 34 where Jesus said, Do not swear by heaven because it's God's throne. And they were used to making oaths over and over again in the multitude of oaths so long as they didn't use God's name. But Jesus said, Don't use heaven as some kind of way to make your words more truthful. He says in verse 35, don't swear by the earth, for it is his, God's footstool. Or don't swear by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king. So let's look at that. Jesus said, listen, it's not that you just shouldn't use God's name. Don't swear at all. Don't swear by heaven. Don't swear by earth. Earth is the magnificent creation of God. And earth is just God's footstool. So don't swear by earth the creation of God. How's that going to give you any more veracity to the words that you speak? Furthermore, what right or what power or what authority do you have to use or invoke the earth to affirm your words as being more believable? It's God's footstool. God created it and his feet are laid upon the earth. That's quite a picture. Let's go a step higher. And then they thought, well, okay, but what about the city of Jerusalem? Because that's God's city. That holds some weight. So then they would say, I swear by Jerusalem. Well, the holy city has much significance. So people will believe my words better if I swear by that city, that city, Jerusalem. But Jesus said, don't do that. That's the city of the great king. God owns that city. That, that is a holy city where God has chosen to put a special blessing on it. You, you think that you're not bearing guilt because of doing that, but he said, don't do that either. Uh, I want to look in here in Matthew 23, 16 through 22 to get a little bit uh, in view what Jesus was dealing with. He said, woe unto you, ye blind guides, which say, whosoever shall swear by the temple... It is nothing. This is the mentality the Pharisees had. But whosoever shall swear by the gold of the temple, he is a debtor. Ye fools and blind, for whether is greater, the gold or the temple that sanctifieth the gold? And whosoever shall swear by the altar, it's nothing. But whosoever sweareth by the gift that is upon it, he is guilty. These are these foolish rules uh, the Pharisees and Sadducees made up. Ye fools and blind, said Jesus, for whether is greater, the gift or the altar that sanctifieth the gift. Whoso therefore shall swear by the altar, sweareth by it and by all things thereon. And whoso shall swear by the temple, sweareth by it and by him that dwelleth therein. And he that shall swear by heaven, sweareth by the throne of God and by him that sitteth thereon. Well, I don't think Jesus was mincing words at all when he said, don't swear by heaven because it's God's throne. Don't swear by earth because it's his footstool. And don't swear by the city of Jerusalem because it's the city of the great king. Jesus did not mince words. He had a problem with their hypocrisy. So essentially what Jesus is saying, why grip those things that are God's and use them for your own benefit? What right do you have to invoke these things to the aid of your character? 
or lack thereof, because why would anybody be swearing by something higher if people knew that that man tells the truth? Obviously, they felt like I need more proof for people to believe me, so I'll swear by something higher. What right do you have to invoke these things to the aid of your character and to the aid of your words? When Adam Clark said it beautifully, when we make any promise contrary to the command of God, taking as a pledge of our sincerity either God or something belonging to him, we engage that which is not ours without the master's consent. God manifests his glory in heaven as upon his throne. He imprints the footsteps of his perfections upon the earth, his footstool, and shows that his holiness and his grace reign in his temple as the place of his residence. Wow. So Jesus didn't take it lightly for people to, you know, invoke God or his creation and to take promises lightly. He wanted people to be truthful at heart. So in our culture, I've mentioned this before, but I think it's very prevalent. You hear people see, say, I swear to God this happened. I swear to God I saw it. I swear to God on my life. I swear in my mother's grave. I swear about my dead brother. I mean, I've heard all sorts of crazy stuff, and you have too. In our culture, people say that as if to bring more truth to their words. It's the human condition. We say that because we realize that inwardly, we're not truthful people, so we have to try and convince people that we're telling the truth, when in fact, we could just be truthful, and that's ultimately what Jesus is getting at. And he said, and do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. So there's such a show of trying to make people believe you, to believe us, that your own truthfulness gets buried, you use lofty terms and thoughts to make you more believable, but not using the name of God so technically not binding. That's what they were doing. I swear by my head. Okay, great. What what does your head have that's going to make me believe you more? Uh, are you really putting your head on the line that if you don't tell the truth, we can decapitate you? I mean, it's foolishness when you really think about it. You don't even have the power over your own head, Jesus said. You can't make one hair black or white. So what, what power does your head have over your words and your character? You don't even have the power over your, your own head. How can you use your hair to your own aid, essentially? Why reach for the stars to get somebody to believe you? Why grasp at something outside of you to win people's trust? This is what was happening with the Pharisees. This is what Jesus so vehemently opposed and was trying to point out, not only to the Pharisees, but the Pharisees influenced the common people. And Jesus spoke this Sermon on the Mount in front of everybody. That's a good context for us to realize. He spoke this in front of everybody. So the common people realize God doesn't Think about things like these Pharisees say, I don't believe it. And people realize Jesus speaks with authority, not like these scribes and Pharisees. So Jesus was taking this trust or, or this, I mean, it was really somewhat of a blind trust people had in the Pharisees. He's ripping it out from under him 
and he's really bringing this revolutionary thought of the kingdom of God to the common people. That's why the Pharisees were so angry at Jesus, because he was disrupting their system, tearing down their power, and then telling them, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, and then trying to teach them what the real crux, what the real truth is. And he brings that out here in uh, the 37th verse. He said, let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. So basically, let your words be full of truth because you act accordingly. Instead of trying to make people believe you, be somebody that's able to be trusted. Work about work in the things in your life that are wrong inwardly. If you're not a trustworthy person, examine yourself before God. Think to yourself, have I acted in such ways that would make somebody not trust me? If so, maybe I need to go repent before God. Maybe I need to go apologize to people for how untruthful I've been, for promising them to do something and then doing something else with my words. I've met people that they promise you the world and they don't come through. And, and it's not just my own personal experience. I've met people where that has been my experience with the person. And it's also been the experience of countless other people with the person. And then these people would claim that, you know, maybe they're good and upstanding people or even they love God. And yet people don't trust him. Why don't they trust him? That's the question you have to ask. Why don't people trust you? Why do you feel the need to have to convince them to trust you? Is it because you're not trustworthy? It's an extended form of lying when we try to bring something else in to get people to believe our words. And you've met those people that promise the world and tell you uh, everything, but don't follow through with their promises. What does that do for your trust when you've dealt with those people? What does that tell you about that person's overall character? If they promise you all this and don't come through, they can speak well. They are, they're great with words and they're convincing with their speech, but they don't have the goods to back it up. God takes it very seriously when we say we are going to do something. It should be as binding as an oath. He said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. There's a big premium these days to say that you're a man of your word and have the proof to back it up. There's very few people like that. You should be one of them. We should change the world by being truthful people. Be authentic. Let your lips match your action for righteousness. Anything more than this, Jesus said, comes from the evil one. It says it comes from evil, but literally means comes from the evil one. Why? Because swearing by something in private conversation proves that you have a depraved heart that cannot be trusted. Otherwise, you would just simply tell somebody you're going to do something because you know you are. Our character is so bad that we need to appeal to something else to give validity to our words. Stop fitting into the mold of this world. Stop going in this direction. Be revolutionary in your own heart. Be a truthful person. Make amends wherever you need to make amends. Go apologize to people and then repent before God. Get a changed heart and be a real person. Be a person somebody can trust.
What a statement. What statements Jesus has made. What revolutionary ideas he has brought through the Sermon on the Mount to cut all the fluff out and get us to the heart of truth and godliness. Let me ask you a question, listener. Can your word be trusted? Are you aware that you might not fulfill the promise that you've made while you're telling somebody you're going to do something, while you're swearing to God and while you're doing this? You don't think of it so serious. You just It's just a form of speech. Is that you? Are you aware of that? Do you intend to be true to your word? Be true in heart. That's the thing. Be true in your heart and you're going to act true. Have you wronged somebody by swearing falsely to them? Don't leave it alone. Repent at once. Repent before God. Tell him you're sorry for being a fake. And then go make it right with the person. Do you vainly swear to God about the truth of your statements? Don't use God's name in vain anymore. The Bible says that he won't hold us guiltless if we take his name in vain. Be a person that does not exaggerate, but simply truthful. Mean what you say and say what you mean. God takes account of all of our words. If you found yourself guilty here, there is hope for you in the gospel. Repent of your sin and trust in Jesus Christ to save you. If you found yourself there, your next step is to call 570-362-7782 or email gods.resistance at gmail.com. Introduce yourself to me. Set up a time so we can meet. I want to coach and help you further to walk with God according to the Bible. Then you can also like and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. There's more teaching and preaching to help you on your journey. You can also connect with others that are going through their journeys. And then tell your friends about this broadcast every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK. Also tell them about social media. And above all, join the resistance. God's resistance. Special thank you to Spectacular Sound Productions for giving permission for the use of the song Heroes and Monsters, which was edited and used in part on this production. The permission was granted under Attribution Share Alike 4.0 International Creative Commons license. That license may be found at https colon forward slash forward slash creativecommons.org forward slash licenses forward slash by hyphen essay forward slash 4.0 forward slash legal code.